This podcast is brought to you by HCN, your source for the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment. Enjoy the show. Hello, Funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio um, with your host, Kyle. And your host, Peter. We've been gone for a long time because we died. Um, I feel like we've had a lot of periods of just a couple of months without anything, and I feel really bad. Yeah. Basically, our lives were upended by... Twist turned upside down. Yeah, by... Significant events for both of us, mine of which is I started a new job. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Why do we sound so bored? <laughs> because our lives are just hollow shells of what they should be. Well, Funk Radio is the stuff that fills the eggshell. I guess the egg. So Funk Radio is like eggs, and our lives are the shells that surround. Funk Radio. Basically, yes. Contain it. Funk Radio is the yoke of our life. And then when you listeners enjoy Funk Radio, it's like hearing the sizzling of eggs in the morning. Exactly. Speaking of eggs, Peter moved. (laughs) That was like literally the worst segue I've ever done. I'm pretty sure we've done a worse segue than that. Well, worse as far as offensive, but not worse as far as literally made no sense. Yeah, this this one's pretty up there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I do like eggs, and I did move, so that's that's a good connection. Peter, where'd you move? I moved to Oregon. That's from that, California. Now, Peter, you do know that Oregon is is significantly less funky than California, right? Yeah, I mean, we do have like indie music. That's not that's, funky. That's not funky. So, yeah, well, California isn't that funky, is it? I thought I, I would figure California would be really funky. It's where Motown moved to. Yeah, but by the time Motown moved to California, they were pretty much dead. Yeah, good point. What about that song California Soul by um, Marlene Shaw? They don't have a song called Oregon Soul. Well... Pretzels. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just saw pretzels. The only... This isn't really a funk song, but uh, the song I Can't Wait by New Shoes... New Shoes. Why does that sound familiar? Because whenever I play that, you're like, oh yeah, I know this song. Oh, that makes sense. That song, yeah. That song, they they were from Oregon. Boom. So okay, there you that's go. That's somewhat relevant. I think it's, they were the only ones, though. That's incredibly relevant. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to consult our Oregonian scholar. Gary. Compatriot, Gary. You know, I was having dinner with him the other night, when I, or the first day that I got here, uh-huh. and we were talking, and we pretty much realized that there's nothing to do in Oregon. <laughs> what a great thing to tell you the first day you moved here. I know. Here. No, I mean, no, there is. There's nature and stuff, so it'll be fun. Just but there's, no, kinda, like, kinda there's no, like, what's the word? Music scene? I don't know. I, would I mean, I didn't move up here for the music scene. But, I think there would be though, because like like you said, like Oregon is kind of the land of like indie of hipster hipsters. Stuff. I mean, Seattle might have 
more of that than Portland does, but I don't know. Yeah, but the, the what's that? <laughs> I'm trying to remember the theme song to Portlandia right now. It's like the the dream of the '90s is alive in Portland or something. There you go. Well, we hope you listeners dream the dream of the 90s, even though nothing we're talking about is relevant to that. So what are we talking about today, Mr. Kyle? Well, uh, as I guess many of you have heard, that movie, uh, that Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, that came out a couple weeks ago, has like exploded in everyone's faces. And (laughs) one thing that people and we as well can't stop talking about is how awesome the soundtrack to that movie was because it contained a lot of really iconic 60s and 70s hits by a lot of one-hit wonder-type bands, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, it seems a little... Go ahead. I was just going to say, they didn't go after, you know, the start playing the Stones or the Beatles or any of that. They found, like, Mm. these really famous songs from that era that were by bands that were otherwise totally unrecognizable. Yeah. Um, Before we go any further, I'm going to say... One thing, if you haven't seen the movie, we definitely recommend it. Uh, you just don't listen to this episode if you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, we're probably because gonna spoil we're going to spoil everything. Yeah. Um, so I'm giving you a warning now to turn this off before we say anything. That we'll warning has passed. So I just want to say that, like, kind of at face value at first, you don't think that that kind of music really lends itself well to this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's like in space and it's superheroes, it doesn't really make sense to put like obscure '70s music onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, the, with the main character, I think like with his like mixtape that he has, and that's kind of like his connection to his childhood. You can see that that music has a big influence on him. So yeah, it, it makes sense to put it in the movie, I guess. One thing that someone said that I thought was really kind of almost true was, like, the soundtrack to this movie almost was its own character because of Mm. how much life it kind of added to the movie and added to the characters themselves. That's a good point because, I mean, if, well, I mean, if you can consider, if you consider the soundtrack a character, I guess the, the physical cassette tape itself could be, like, the embodiment of that character. Yeah. And then there's that scene where they're, they're escaping the prison, he realizes, oh, I have to go back for yeah, my, exactly. my tape. It's kind of like, oh, we forgot, we forgot, sound, we forgot, we forgot soundtrack guy we have to go back for. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. But um, yeah, no, just, and what's funny is I just read, I don't know if it still is, but at least for a couple of days, it was the number one selling album like on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, I saw that. Which so I mean, I'm sure every one of these artists is just like, God damn it! Because, <laughs> you know, I'm sure a lot of them probably like had hits when they came out, but it's just funny, you know, you throw these songs into a movie 40 years later and boom, they're hits again. Yeah. Well, I mean, it brings a little bit of attention to them, but it kind of a little bit too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. So, but I mean, I think it's. Uh, I really do appreciate that in a lot of ways. Marvel took a lot of risks with this movie. Yeah, um, almost every way it took a risk. I mean, not only like with characters that pretty much no one had ever heard of before, except for a few people, mm-hmm. um, but also, like we're saying, like the soundtrack was like completely off from what you would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that they, they did that because it ended up being. I mean, generally people are people are talking a lot about the soundtrack, so I mean they did a good job. Yeah, with that decision, exactly. I guess. 
But um, yeah, if we just wanted to go through the songs um, that they basically used in the movie, there's actually a decent amount of them. I think there's like 12. Dang. So yeah. But um, we just wanted to cover them all real quickly, just and obviously we'll post links to the YouTube versions mm-hmm. of them and all that good stuff, so you guys can listen to them yourselves. But uh, I don't know if we're I don't know if we're, we're probably not going in order of appearance, I guess, for songs, uh, the songs themselves. But I guess we can start off. Um, the first song, and I know this song was also used in the in the, at least a couple of the trailers, mm-hmm. which really helped even in the advertising kind of add to the idea that hey this is a wacky offbeat movie is the song hooked on a feeling by blue swede um it's one of those songs where everyone knows a song and no one knows who sings it <laughs> um but yeah blue uh the song hooked on a feeling was actually originally a top five hit for the artist bj thomas in 69 but blue swede actually kind of did a uh toughened up cover of it five years later and that reached number one mostly due to the memorable chant that they have at the beginning of the song uh Uga Chaka I don't know if that's actually it's like a onomatopoeia or something hmm. um but apparently actually that little bit was actually lifted from another artist um Jonathan King who he was kind of a minor minor artist in Britain so Hmm. He was forgettable enough that they could just be like, we're taking this. <laughs> um, but we're talking about him, so he's not exactly forgettable enough. Exactly. Um, and for those of you that don't know, two, th- two fun facts about the song. One, it was actually very prominently featured in Quentin Tarantino's film Reservoir Dogs. Hmm. Um, and two, if any of you are old enough to remember this, the in the early, I want to say early to mid-90s, when... You know, people had still had AOL discs on their computers and all that <laughs> stupid crap, you know, Good when times. the internet was first becoming popular. There was a really famous screensaver called the Ukachaka Baby, and it was just this 3D rendering of a baby dancing, and it was to this song, oh, yeah. and for some reason it became really stupidly popular. It was like one of the first literal, like, internet memes. Actually, that very well might have been the first one, but I or mean... Very close to, yeah. Depending on your definition, but yeah. True that. That's funny. Dancing um, baby. I know, right? But um, yeah, Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede. Awesome song. And now you know the name of the band that does it, because I didn't until this until we did some research. I'm just looking up an image of the dancing baby. It's really quite horrifying. I know, right? Seeing this again is it's, really it's unnatural. Ma- it's made of like 12 polygons and just terribly animated. But again, well, this was like 95, I think. You know why? You know why I think that became popular? I don't know if it showed up before the internet version or the internet version was a version of this, but I remember that. Do you remember that stupid show in the 90s, Ally McBeal? Mm, kinda. That baby was in that show as like some weird vision that she would see. And I don't uh, know okay. if this was a manifestation of that on the internet or vice versa. I just remember the two are connected somehow. Interesting. Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm just reading, but it says it, it originated as a collection of experimental testing data and files, um, and it, I think it shipped with 3ds Max Good originally, God. which is actually really cool. That is really cool. I wish it still did because I would totally learn 3ds Max again to play with the <laughs> dancing baby model. 
Oh, it says it was actually one of the first viral videos. Well, there you, well, there go. you go. Just like us, except we're not video and we're not really viral, so but we do like dancing babies. Mm-hmm. It says the Cha Cha animation was created using the biped animation system of Character Studio uh, by Robert Lur and Michael Girard. Girard. Um, blah blah blah. 3ds Max, like you said, that's really cool. Hmm. Yeah, there, yeah, the original, the original animating de- a dancing baby file is called sk underscore baby dot max. We must find it. <laughs> I'm sure you can find it somewhere. It's like it's like the internet's Ark of the Covenant. Once you see it, your face melts. <laughs> um. So yeah, interesting. Random facts. Yay. Okay. Uh, what do we got? Well, it looks like we went all the way to find the s- story about the dancing baby. Speaking of that, the next song in our list is Go All the Way by the Raspberries. By the Raspberries? Raspberries. I think it's just Raspberries. Yeah, it is. But, whatever. Why, do they, why is there a P in Raspberries? Why is it silent? That annoys me. You know why? Because when you eat raspberries, you're like, Raspberries. <laughs> They're so sour. <laughs> what the hell? I don't do that when I eat raspberries. I don't know. Oh my god. So the deal with this song is that like uh, the uh, the lead singer, Eric Carmen, I guess uh, he was inspired to write this song after hearing uh, the Rolling Stones perform Let's Spend the Night Together on TV. And he says, quote, I knew then that I wanted to write a song with an explicitly sexual lyric that the kids would instantly get, but the powers that be couldn't pin me down for. Kind of an interesting con. I mean, I guess the, the term go all the way. Yeah. yeah, I guess Even the back then was kind the of... young the youngins would be like, oh yeah, I know what that means, but the older people would be like, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, basically similar to the Rolling Stones, they basically wanted to make a sexually explicit song without you know the FCC or whatever I guess iteration of that was back then coming down and then being like, you can't say that this is America. <laughs> Fun you fact. Might... Sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say a fun fact that has nothing to do with this, sort of, not really. Um, the Rolling Stones' song, "Spend the Night," let's spend the night together. When they performed in the Ed Sullivan show, um, Ed Sullivan told them that they had to change the words to "Let's spend some time together." Oh yeah, that sounds familiar. Of I don't know modesty or whatever, and yeah. Mick Jagger was like, "Oh okay," and then he sang it and he didn't change the words at all. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed Sullivan got really pissed. Well, I'm sure that he and Ed Sullivan didn't go all the way that time or spend the night together. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it seems like we've talked about... Okay, we talked about two things relevant to this. One, we did have a whole episode about songs that were banned for various reasons, including sexual lyrics. Yeah. Um, I, I could not tell you what number that was if you listeners just haven't heard it, but it's somewhere. And uh, the other thing I want to say is I also feel like once we ended up talking about songs that... Uh, oh, oh, I just want to... I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Uh, um, regarding that, let's spend the night together. Uh, it says that the band did actually comply with his requests, but Mick Jagger and uh, Bill Wyman ostentatiously rolled their eyes whenever they had to say that line. So basically they, ha- uh, they, they did it, but reluctantly so, I should say. Hmm. So, I was mistaken. 
the doors that those were the ones that they basically didn't said oh we'll change it and then they didn't oh and yeah they basically got kicked off the show <laughs> yeah I, we've talked about before about how yeah. certain artists and with their songs they'll how does it go like they they try to get away with as much as possible with yeah, their lyrics they're, they're constantly trying the to push stuff. the ceiling without anyone realizing they're doing so yeah which is, you know, especially back in the 60s, it was still the era, the decade of modesty, so I give mm. them kudos. But it was also the decade of... The raspberries. Uh, of the, sure. I was going to say, like... Uh, I can't think of the word. I'm really brain dead right now. It's okay. But, <laughs> uh, this, 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 was a, this was a fun song. I'm trying to remember when exactly in the movie they were playing this. I want to say it was, uh, this was in near the, the end. No, 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 no. Or was this near the beginning? This was in the very beginning when he was uh, leaving um, that destroyed planet. Oh, yeah, yeah, After yeah. he got away from that weird black dude with the stuff in his head. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is when he was, like, leaving and then that song started playing as he was heading to that other place, Nova or something. Oh, right. Was that also when they... Did the titles maybe? Or was no, that the yeah. Other the titles, the title credits was they they played that other, um, "Come Get Your Love" song when he was singing inside the rat or something. Oh yeah. I just remember he grabbed like this weird rat thing and started using it as a microphone. <laughs> it was pretty pretty good. And the song you're referring to is "Come and Get Your Love" by Redbone. Do you want to tell us about that, Kyle? Since oh, I mean they're in the same part of the movie. I basically. totally skipped, but it's all good. Um, yeah, totally. So. The next song we got coming up uh, is Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. I just said um, Shut up. <laughs> well, Peter, you better come and get your love. Um, come and get my own love? Yes. I do that every day. <laughs> Actually, uh, well, I don't I don't know what that means, so I'm not going to... <laughs> Never mind. Just forget everything. It's okay. Um, so yeah, Red, Redbone, not to be confused with... Um, the cult musician Leon Redbone, uh, where really the band were really big into blending strings, Latin rhythms, and the electric sitar, which is that weird Indian instrument. It's uh, weird because it's different. Uh, in, yes. <laughs> it's weird because it's not white. <laughs> we're terrible people. Yes, we are. Um, and they were known for doing this, and I guess it, it really struck a chord with this song because it ended up being a Top five hit in uh, 1974. So yay. Um, I guess a fun aside with this is that 21 years after that hit, so 1995, uh, German electronica act Real McCoy covered the song "Come and Get Your Love," and it actually scored a number 19 hit with it. So, so there's actually an electronica version of this song somewhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm looking this up right frickin' now, uh, by the way. Okay. Hold on. Real McCoy. Well, this is one of the more memorable oh, yeah. songs in the movie. I think just because it was kind of the first one that yeah. they played. I think that's and probably it, why. It was, it was, this was a song that kind of introduced you to the main character and his personality and everything. Yeah. And, if you will, the soundtrack character that we were talking about. Yeah. The soundtrack character makes his or her first appearance in this scene. Oh god, this song is awful. Oh. Uh. Okay, I don't know if we should put the song alongside the other one. 
but it's it's just not good. Um, so there's that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, this this particular song, I don't know why, is just so freaking catchy. I had it stuck in my head forever, like after I first saw the movie. But uh, yeah, Redbones, they're how do I say? They're decently popular. Um, but never had like they had this weird. Native American sort of theme to them. I don't know if it's because any... Oh, because it says here they're a Native American slash Mexican-American rock group. That makes sense. Well, that would explain why they had a lot of different cultural things in their musical style and instruments. Uh, They're originally from Kalinga, California, made up of brothers uh, Patrick and Candido Vasquez. Uh, They moved to Los Angeles in 69, formed Redbone. So, yes, this all makes sense. Oh, this is awesome. According to uh, some sources, it was Jimi Hendrix, who himself is part Cherokee, that actually talked to the musicians uh, into forming this sort of all-Native American rock group. Interesting. And they signed as the band Redbone to Epic Records in 69. So they were basically convinced to become a band by Jimi Hendrix. That's pretty awesome. Hmm. Well, if Jimi Hendrix told me to make a band, I'd be like, oh crap, I better make a band. Yeah, it'd be like, God damn, make a brand right now. Um, well, while you were saying some of that stuff, I took a listen quick to that version yes. of the song. It wasn't that bad. I think it's just painfully 90s yeah, in the style. But, exactly. Um, I, think, I think that's what it was. It, it, was it wasn't, very, it wasn't very 90s. awful. Just very 90s. Very 90s. But yeah, the original I, I enjoyed better. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so yeah, what do we got up next, Mr. Pedro? Well, let's uh, let's jump back in this list here because we kind of went out of order. Um, we could talk about "Spirit in the Sky" by Norman Greenbaum. Okay, that's a pretty good song. I love that song. It's yeah. so like garage rocky. Yeah, it is. I made a word. <laughs> so is garage rocky like like Rocky from the movie Rocky, <laughs> except he lives in his garage. Well, then maybe yeah. he did. I don't remember. Didn't he live in a really crappy place? He lived in a crappy place, but he didn't live in a garage. I just imagine, like, a really sad, like, workout montage, but it's in a garage. <laughs> he has, like, a really sad weight, old weight set. Made of, like, <laughs> milk jugs and stuff. Filled with sand. Yeah. And his own tears. And <laughs> his own tears. That, that weighs more than any sand. Hmm. Funny. Uh, so, interesting thing about uh, Spirit in the Sky... Um, if you've heard this song, you might say that it has sort of has kind of like a Christian theme to it, arguably. Um, but the funny thing is actually Greenbaum uh, is Jewish, so I would say it's probably not a Christian song, per se. Probably. Probably not. Um, he did have an interview with The Examiner, and he explained that um, basically his contradiction was, quote, it wasn't like a Christian song of praise. It was just a simple song. I had to use Christianity because I had to use something. Uh, so he had to use, So basically, I I think he he might have felt that having that sort of theme versus something. Uh, I think I think you yeah I may, maybe you, go ahead. I think what he was trying to say was like, although he kind of put a Christian overtone to it. He, the spirit of the sky is ambiguous enough that it could be kind of applied to any deity of any religion. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was going at, too. Is that, or, I mean, if people were going to say it had to be something, it might as well be Christian, because, I mean, Lots of generally a lot of people can 
relate to that versus if he had chosen something really specifically Jewish, for example. Buddha in the sky. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> Buddhism and Ju- Judaism is similar. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is one of those songs too, kind of like the other one, where I think a lot of people have probably heard it. Because yeah. like I said, it has been used in a lot of different films. Yeah. It's just not immediately, immediately pinpointable as a Norman Greenbaum song. Mm-hmm. It seems like, because once I heard that, that riff, it seems like a lot of other artists kind of ripped off that riff, so to speak. They riffed it off. Uh, yes. Um, in that sort of like grungy, garage rocky kind of sound. Because that was pretty- Garage rocky. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just think of him... Lifting jugs from his own tears. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. And that sort of, because that sort of crunchy garage rocky sound was pretty groundbreaking in 69, but then became like a big staple in you know, later decades. So, That's true. Okay. So yeah, Spirit in the Sky. I, this was another song used in one of the, at least a couple of the trailers. I don't remember if it actually showed up in the movie or not, or if it was just used in the trailers. I don't remember. I, 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 it's it might have. I don't remember if it did or not, honestly. Yeah. I will say that I actually never watched any of the trailers for this before I saw it. Wow, that's even like happened to see it like, in the theater. I mean, I've no, I mean, because wow. I vaguely knew what it was about, but I didn't read into it too much. Not because I wasn't interested, but I just figured, you know what, I want to see this without really knowing anything at that time. Makes sense. And it worked out. But yeah, yeah I, I didn't was... even end up watching the trailers, but. I, guess I watched the first. Tra- I watched the first trailer when it came out, and like that alone got me like super stoked. So then I watched like all the trailers when they came out, just so I could see more of it. Mm. And then you but saw yeah. the whole movie, so you saw. I saw the whole movie three times. <laughs> well. Yeah. Sorry. So you, that, that would explain why you re- remember this better than I do. Yeah, I just saw it today again. Oh, well, <laughs> that's good then. Yes, I did my research, Peter. Did you? <laughs> Well, I did my research with you when we went a week or two ago. Touche. <laughs> um, speaking of... Me Don't even try it. Our nope, next song I'm is... doing it. I'm doing it. All right. Speaking of me daydreaming instead of actually researching because I went and... Damn it, that didn't even work. Whatever. <laughs> I was daydreaming. You were researching. Yeah, despite Peter's daydreaming... Uh, while I, you know, did pertinent in-the-field research and actually went and saw the movie a third time. I was busy moving to a different state. Well, not today. But... <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Um, the next song we want to talk about is David Bowie's Moon Age Daydream. I don't know if we've ever talked about David Bowie on our show, but he's very popular. I'm sure we've mentioned him a couple times, but we've never, like, talked about any of his songs. Yeah. He's got good stuff, though. Um... It's funny, though, because this particular song he actually originally wrote in 71 as a single for a side project band that he was in called Arnold Corns. And unfortunately, the band, and therefore the song, was like just awful in every way imaginable. Didn't get any traction whatsoever. So he's like, well, whatever, I still have this song, and I wrote it, so he repurposed it. And um, ended up making it the third track on his... Probably his most famous album, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Hmm. Um, more commonly known as just the Ziggy Stardust album. Hmm. Um, but this song has a very cool sort of melodic theme, I guess. When did they play this in the movie? I'm trying to. I'm um, listening to it right now and I'm trying to They played it when it. they went to that place called Nowhere. 
I remember it was like oh some yeah 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 big yeah. head or something. I didn't really look like a head to me, but whatever. And when they were doing the establishing shots of the ship flying through the area, they were playing that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good um, stuff. That was that was I love I love that scene where like the, the rocket raccoon got drunk and like was like threatening the other guy. <laughs> Drax. Yeah. So yeah, um, Moon Age Daydream is off of this album Ziggy Stardust which actually has a lot of other famous songs including stuff I put damn it I put Starducks <laughs> I love Starducks it's like Star Wars but with ducks I was thinking Starburst <laughs> that too oh no I want Starburst Starburst Ooh, give us money what happened so Starburst, give us money for your product placement. Yeah, please. Give me or just, money now. just pay us in Starbursts. <laughs> you know what they should do? Yes. Starbursts should have a crossover promotion with Starbucks, and they make drinks where they Star- just melt They melt a whole bunch of Starbursts into a Star- cup, and you drink it. Starburst Frappuccinos, boom. Give us money. Yeah, so they take like all like the red the red ones or the pink ones, those because mm-hmm. those are the best. And they melt those down into a liquid, and then you drink it. <laughs> and then it probably solidifies in your body. I was going to say, that would, <laughs> it would create like an internal like casting of the inside of your stomach, and then you just die. That might be why they haven't done it. What if like it like created like an, like the casting of the inner lining of your stomach, and then you had to pass that solid matter okay. all the way through you. Why don't we hear about what songs are on and you the would Ziggy Stardust album? Shitting out your own stomach. What songs are on Ziggy Stardust, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> this is why nobody listens to us. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm just saying it like it is, man. That's true. Um You're saying it how it could be. Yeah. If we believe. Other semi-famous songs off of this album are uh, Starman, Lady Stardust, and Rock and Roll Suicide. I guess going off topic here a little bit, I'm sure the other thing besides Guardians of the Galaxy that everyone has heard about is uh, the late actor Robin Williams' unfortunate passing. Um, Yeah, that was sad. Very sad. Like, I don't know about you, or probably any of the listeners out there, but I totally, like had like a Robin Williams movie binge after that. <laughs> I watched like three or four movies of his. And I actually even listened to some of his stand-up. Which is actually really funny. He has a really good one that, uh, about 2008 or nine called like Weapons of Self-Destruction that's really funny and poignant. Kind of like us. Yes, funny and poignant. But not as terrible as us. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, overall I think the media has probably handled this fairly decently. Although, I, I think one station did, like, the day after it was discovered, did, like, have, like, some live footage from their house. Because Why? that's pertinent. <laughs> oh my god, the mailman came to the house, zoom in! Like, <laughs> I don't even understand how that's relevant in any way whatsoever after a person has passed away. Like, they think somehow, like, their body is going to be taken out of the house and then they can, like, film that? That's disturbing in every way possible. Isn't that pre- kind of what happened with the whole Michael Jackson thing? Because I remember oh, yeah. they were filming his house for like two weeks. Oh, yeah. That was... It was dumb. It's like, as soon as someone famous passes, 
we have to have like eyes on anything and everything that could possibly be associated with them. Yeah. It's, and they also dig up all like the scandal stuff. Yeah. Luckily, Robin Williams, the more that came out, it sounded like he was just a saint of a guy. Yeah. So there wasn't really a lot of scandal there, just cute, cute stories of him being a good guy. Well, he was, and, and he will be missed. Yes, indeed. I love the movie Flubber. <laughs> Seriously, when I was a kid, Flubber, I don't know why, Flubber was like one of my favorite movies because I was dumb and I liked bouncy things. <laughs> well, those are two very good reasons to like that movie. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, I felt that needed to be said. Um, now I'm saying, <laughs> what do we got up next, Mr. Peter? Well, don't even try it. I'm not going to try it. Uh, there's a song called Fooled Around and Fell in Love by Elvin Bishop. <laughs> oh, wait. Robin Williams, I want you back. All right, we'll go with that one. <laughs> We're doing that. Okay. Because we want Robin Williams back. Yeah, I guess he already did it. Um, I believe it's the last song they play, right? In the movie? Yes. Yeah. Is uh, I Want You Back by the Jackson 5, of course. This was actually, I didn't know this, but this was actually their debut single. Because uh, when you think about the Jackson 5, I mean, you can think of probably two dozen songs that they did that were, you know, hugely popular. Oh, yeah. And obviously it helped uh, accelerate Michael's career, as well as some of the others. But um, it's kind of funny that this kind of was the first one of theirs. Um, but it also did show Motown Records, um, their record label, um that funk was actually at this time kind of on the verge of replacing their pop soul brand that had been going throughout um i would say like maybe from 59 through completely through the 60s mm-hmm. um and then I, well, I guess this was 69 so it wasn't quite the 70s yet but it was starting to get there and funk was just starting um very late 60s so i mean this so basically this was one of the the major songs that told these record labels, hey, funk is actually kind of replacing the old style, and this is a new thing. And we're glad about that because we have a podcast because of funk. So yep. you could kind of say that this song helped guide in our podcast. Pretty much. Not really. This song made our podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if, like, big spoiler here. But I love this song because it was a song they played during the baby dancing group scene. <laughs> Which I think is pretty much everyone's favorite scene. Yeah. Because it's just adorable in every way. Wouldn't it have been funny instead of the baby Groot dancing, it was just the dancing baby that we were talking about 15 minutes ago? For no reason, just in this movie. (laughs) It just shows up. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, like I I mentioned, uh, Michael Jackson got his start uh, from the Jackson 5, if you weren't aware of that. And he was... Uh, at the time of this song being released in 1969, uh, he was 11 years old. So that's pretty that's young. impressive. Yeah. But that's... yeah, this was off the album. It was called, like, uh, Diana Ross Presents the Jackson 5 because she kind of... Hold on. Let me make sure I get my facts right here. Um, she kind of helped promote them during that transitional era of mm. stuff. Um, That's a technical term. Yeah, of soul transitioning over to kind of a heavier funk. But, um... Yeah. 
I mean, part of that might too might have been, especially since it was a new sound and a newer type band. Um, I can see how maybe Motown would see value in putting one of their already popular names on that. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, just to say, hey, by the way, there's some at least small relevance to the stuff that you guys already like listening to. So that's not just some something completely different and new without any connection to the old Motown stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's a guess. Because I know, I know oh. like Barry Gordy and all of them were like really conservative about what Motown released. Fun fact: I messed so. everything up, and this is actually relevant because this is why I messed it up. Okay. Says here the album title: um, Diana Ross presents the Jackson Five. Uh, suggested that Motown star Diana Ross actually discovered the group, uh, as do the liner notes in the original uh, album. However, Ross's supposed to discovery of the Jackson 5 was actually part of Motown's marketing and promotion plan for them, hmm. and she didn't really actually have anything to do with it. So, so I, I, was was kinda... suckered by, I was suckered by Motown. <laughs> All these years later, they're still suckering There's, people. Yeah, pretty much. So that, that means I was kind of right then with that oh, yeah, theory, totally. then, because they actually even more than I thought. So, yeah, they really just... We're like, hey, Peter, pe- you can see the future. Pe- I can see, I can see the past without reading Wikipedia. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh god. Well, uh, we're factually relevant. Um, so yeah, I want you back. Jackson Five dancing baby group was adorable and turned into an adorable GIF on the internet. GIF, excuse me. I say GIF. My girlfriend I know. would kill me every time I say oh, GIF. Oh, she like, she's GIF. one of those GIF people. She's a GIF. I keep telling her that GIF or GIF or whatever stands for Graphic Interlaced something. Format. Format, thank you. And Graphic is GUH, so it should be GIF. Yeah. GIF sounds like freaking peanut butter. <laughs> That's what I think of when I hear it. Speaking of Motown Records and their... Wait, we said Diana Ross, right? Yep. Um, this is a slight tie-in. Um, we also have the song Ain't No Mountain High Enough in this movie, uh, which yeah. is performed by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, um, which was released in 1967, so only two years before the Jackson 5 uh, did the other song. Um, but this is easily one of the most recognizable songs in the soundtrack. I mean, if not the most well-known one. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It was uh, written by, and we've talked about them before, um, the husband and wife writing team at Motown, uh, Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson, also known as Ashford and Simpson, who also performed some stuff as well. Uh, so they, they wrote this song for uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. And speaking of Diana Ross, so there's a slight tie-in here. Um, she actually performed a version of this song uh, three years later on her first solo album So in 1970. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess there's a slight tie-in. I, although, I say this every time you mention this, I mm-hmm. like Marvin Gaye's version better. I like them for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if I, I had think, to, if I had to keep one for the rest of time, I would obviously keep his. I think I like his better because his is more instantly recognizable to me. Personally. Yeah. Like, as soon as I hear that little, like, chimey sound, uh, piano sound, I'm just like, boom. Ain't no high enough. Yeah. I mean, hers, I feel it has more of a, uh, it's, I feel like it's more emotional. It's, hers seems more, uh, and it seems to more, have more of a gospel influence. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, 
Whereas I think the version that he did with Tammy Terrell was more of a, it was more like built for, you know, pop music. Yeah. And it was more a little bit upbeat and happy, whereas hers is a little bit more. Uh, yeah, exactly. A little bit slower and stuff. So take it as you will. Although I, I think it actually ended up, I think her version actually ended up making more money than his or something. I know it wasn't more popular, obviously, because I know more people know his version, but I remember reading, I think we may have talked about this. I think we did too. That her version ended up being like, somehow was like way outsold the other one or something like that. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, Will. So, yeah. Oh, crap. Anyways, so, speaking of Ain't No Mountain High Enough, their mountain white might be high enough if it had stair steps to get up it. Oh, that was awful. Um, speaking of... So I'm trying to figure out what song you're talking about. This, the next song we're doing is, uh, we're going to talk about is Ooh Ooh Child by the Five Stair Steps. Shut up, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, not a very good tie-in. It says, Ooh Child. Michael Jackson was a child when he performed with the Jackson 5 in the other song. And they probably said Ooh during that song. <laughs> I love how we have this need to... Tie in everything to tie in everything, even when it's completely untitled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's the five stair steps were known as quote the first family of soul, and they were uh, a soul group based on Chicago, <laughs> made up of Betty and Clarence Burke Senior's six kids. Jeez, uh, I'm not even going to list all their names because there's a lot of them. There was a kid named QB. That's adorable. Makes you um, think of Qbert, the video game. Yeah. But the band is uh, quite obviously best known for their 1970 hit, Ooh, Ooh Child. Uh, it's actually listed as number 392 in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. All time. What number? 392. Well, so. that's better than 400. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, Peter. <laughs> Wait, let me listen to this really quick. Salt Train. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Oh, I know when Ooh, they... S- well, child. okay, I know of one instance of this song. I don't remember if they played it earlier, too. They must have. Yeah. Well, I know Some at the day. end he was singing it yeah. to that <laughs> creepy guy. <laughs> the bad guy's like, what are you doing? I'm distracting you. Yeah. Just absolutely brilliant. And they must have played it earlier, too. I'm just not thinking of it. No, I think when they crashed... Remember they, they the the group guy wrapped his big branch love hug around him? Yeah. And then they crashed, and after at the crash site somehow the cassette player survived miraculously. Oh, and, and it was playing it. It was playing that song. Right. Yeah. Things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah. So basically, they dis- they destroyed the bad guy whose name escapes me. They destroyed uh, him with, Ronan with the power of funk. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's <laughs> exact. That's exactly why I love this movie. They destroyed him with the power of funk. <laughs> when we get it undone, someday it is much brighter. Break it down. Sorry. So you could say um, they're kind of guardians of the funk. Yes, exactly. Um. <laughs> Because they protect, so, they protect Funky James, 
Exactly. And use them against bad guys. That's um, the subtitle of the movie. Yes. God, there's still so many songs we haven't done yet. I know. Um, uh, what do we got up next, Mr. Peter? Well. <laughs> Alright, I can't even think of anything. Um, well, there was also Escape, also known as the Pina Colada song uh, by Rupert Holmes. And this is probably another one of the more recognizable songs in the movie. Yes. Um, so the song came out in 1979. And uh, it kind of pretty obviously uh, reflects uh, the trend of like personal ads in the newspaper that I guess started, it was just starting to become a thing at the time that the song came out in the late 70s. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of a funny thing because probably like the most recognizable line of the song is if you like pina coladas and then so on. But uh, funny enough, uh, Holmes actually himself says that he hates pina coladas. So. <laughs> Why do they rag on yoga? Was yoga not popular in the 70s? Yoga, health food, or champagne? It's, it's, it's a line. Yeah, it's just a song. But it was a very popular song and became number one. Well, you know, um, the, you know the whole story in the song is he puts out a want ad because he wants to leave his wife. And then, lo and behold... She responds, the lady responds to it. And she responds to it. And then they fall back in love because they didn't need marriage counseling or something. I don't know. I always felt like the song was kind of messed up because, like, wow, they're both cheating on each other. And then they end up... Yeah. I don't know. That kind of bugs me. In real life, like, she'd be like, like, regardless of if they ended up meeting up that way, the fact that they were both cheating would kind of hang over their heads, wouldn't it? Yeah. And would not end up like that, so. Yeah. But. <laughs> the, 19, the 1970s, it was a simpler time. I guess it was. Well, because all, all people had to think about was funk. Now we have yes. other stuff like cars and air. Because <laughs> they didn't have cars in the 70s. <laughs> uh, Did they have cherry bombs? Speaking of. Yes, Peter. That's. Okay, we'll go with that tie-in. <laughs> um, so, speaking of whatever the hell Peter just said, another song that was in the movie that was featured pretty prominently was the song uh, Cherry Bomb by The Runaways. And for those of you that don't know, The Runaways was Joan Jett's first band before she formed Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. So, mm. yay. Good to know. Um, and, yeah, the band was formed in the 70s, and in 76, they actually released this particular song uh, with producer Kim Foley. So it didn't really make a huge dent in the U.S. charts, unfortunately, but it actually had a really big success in Japan and the the U.K., where it peaked at number one and number two, respectively. Um, The song has since really kind of grown in popularity over the years, um, and was actually used in the stoner classic movie Dazed and Confused. Hmm. Which, I like that movie. That movie has a really good soundtrack, too. So, probably up there with this one. Let me look at that really quick. I think I saw it. What? You saw Dazed and Confused? Remember? It's the one with um, Matthew McConaughey and some kids and they get high and stuff. Uh, I don't think I did, actually. You've never seen that movie, dude. You gotta watch that movie. 
Okay. It's Madhav Gandhi's first movie. Oh, okay. It's pretty awesome. Do I have to get high to watch it? No, it probably helps, but no, <laughs> you don't. You're in Oregon. Oh, no, that's Washington. I was going to say, you're in Oregon. You're allowed to. Well, I'm about, I'm pretty close to the border of Washington, though, so I could. Do you have to be a resident for those laws to be in effect? Or I have no idea. I haven't looked into it. <laughs> Peter. Peter, instead of Peter Dibble, it's Peter. I got nothing. Doobie. Yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> Good job, Peter. Um, do we have any so, yeah. songs left? I think we have two left. Yes, we do. Um, Hang in there, listeners. We're almost done. Yeah, we're we're trying to crank through. Um, what have we got up next, Mr. Peter? We have two more songs about love. And neither of them I can really... Speak, speak to? Well, no, I was going to say neither of them I can transition, transition well to, but... So well, I'll just I'll just Peter, choose I'm not in love by Peter. Are you not in love? Ten CC. Uh, that's true. I'm not. So that's. I guess that's a good tie-in. Yes. I'm in love with the funk, though. <laughs> um. So ten. Four bitches. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like. Let me get back to you on that one. Actually, I don't know. Wait a second. That's not a rule. <laughs> I mean. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. Maybe sometimes. <laughs> Peter's like, wait a second, nothing, nothing gets in front of my bitches. Um, For those of you that don't know, Peter is a pimp. I didn't that's even why, know that. That's why he moved to Oregon. He was fleeing. He was fleeing his rap, rap sheet in uh, in Orange County <laughs> to start a new <laughs> life of pimping in Oregon, where. With all the beautiful honeys in Oregon. Yeah, I'll let you know when I find when, one. When I find one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> you have such a high, you have such a, a high. Uh, what's the word? High hopes. High um, opinion of your new. I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe that's why everyone <laughs> smokes weed here. <laughs> so 10 cc. Um, made this song. I'm not in love. The really cool thing about this song, actually, is kind of the way that they recorded it. Um, it has like a very uh, vocal, like ghost-like ambience to it. And so the way I guess they recorded this is that they uh, they they taped loops of themselves singing this, and they uh, kind of incorporated like the faders on their console uh, to form like chords. Of this, and I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how all of this works, but I guess they they loop like recordings of themselves over and over, so it sounded more like a chorus for each of them. So it sounds very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ethereal. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it has a very interesting sound to it, and I guess it worked for the song because it became relatively popular, um, going up to number seven in the U.S. and um, it won. Um, Best song in Britain, I guess. So it's pretty cool. Very nice. Um, apparently, it was so popular too that actually the Pretenders covered it in '93. Uh, oh, so that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I guess it's been used in a couple other movies as well. Good stuff. Hmm. Including Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, and The Virgin Suicides. So that's pretty cool. And also, Incident 
proposal, which included the Pretenders version. Yes. That's cool. Robert Redford, he played the bad guy. There's a tie-in. He played the bad guy in the last Captain America movie. and That's also Marvel. This song, which was also in a Marvel movie, was used in a movie that he was in, and that's absolutely no way to tie anything in together at all. That's pretty good. That's actually, that's not, that's not bad. Oh, okay. Wait, what part of the movie of, Gal- Gal- Gardens of Guardians of the Galaxy did they play this? The part where... Uh, I forgot... I'm trying to remember now. Oh, yeah. Um, where the green girl, Zoe Saldana, and um, the Parks and Recreation guy. <laughs> Chris Pratt. <laughs> yes, Chris Pratt. Were alone together on this balcony or whatever, and he puts the headphones on her. Oh, teach yeah. Her about dancing, because he's talking about, like, Footloose the movie. Right. And, she, and this song is playing, and then they almost have an intimate moment, but then she tries to cut his throat. Because she's a crazy assassin. Because of his pelvic sorcery. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure. I, you, I'm sure you I have will that not kind. succumb. I will not succumb to your pelvic sorcery. <laughs> yes, I. I am a pelvic sorcerer. Guess where? Guess where my wand is. Oh, last song for today. Just <laughs> <laughs> fooled around, fooled around, and fell in love by Elvin Bishop, which I almost started talking about good 20 minutes ago but then we got distracted yes with the jackson five. Oh, that was because of the uh the robin williams thing we're really good at being distracted <laughs> um yeah so i don't really know elvin bishop uh he um elvin much, bishop, but i guess it says he's pretty good a, go ahead i go can ahead. tell you all right why don't you tell me kyle i will oh. tell you peter <laughs> oh i will tell you um elvin bishop uh he was a member of the paul butterfield blues band for a time and he's considered probably one of the best blues guitarists to have ever laid his fingers on the the, the blues things (laughs) that's it (laughs) that's all i got well cool um well funny enough this isn't really a blues song as well i know right known he is as being a blues guy it's kind of more of like a love ballady type thing bishop actually did explain uh in an interview how he ended up adding this song um, to his 1975 album, Starting My Stuff. Uh, he says, quote, the producer, Bill, I'm not going to try to say that guy's last name, said, subquote, we need one more piece of material here. You got anything else laying around? And subquote, I said, subquote, well, there's this tune I wrote the other day, and subquote, we cut a track, and it was really a nice track. I tried singing it, and I said, subquote, that's not buttering my biscuit, my vocal on this. Why don't we give Starship singer Mickey Thomas a shot at this? And subquote. And the producer said, subquote, well, that's... Stop big. saying subquote! <laughs> and subquote. And I said, <laughs> subquote, well, I don't think so. It's just common sense, you know? And subquote. And Mickey just tore it up. End full quote. <laughs> Um, I'm not I really literally sure what have I just no read. idea what you said just now. Uh, so, so basically, what happens is that he came up with the song at the last minute. And he, he he did a test recording of himself singing this song, and he says, and he said, in his words, "That's not buttering my biscuit." Um, Peter, have you ever buttered a woman's biscuit? We'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> That'll be in the bonus material episode. Um. <laughs> So he's and then so he said, um, "Why don't we get uh, Mickey Thomas on this song instead?" 
Um, so, and the producer's like, well, are you sure you want to do that? Because, you know, that would not be a hit for you. It would be a hit for him. Uh, but he said, you know what? That, that makes the song better. So I guess they went with it that way and it worked out. Yeah, this is actually one of his more popular songs because it's a love ballad and chicks dig that stuff. But, they also uh, like it when you butter their biscuit. Hell yeah. When do they play this that, one? I don't remember. <laughs> I honestly don't remember. Hmm. So is buttering someone's biscuit the same thing as guarding someone's galaxy? <laughs> I suppose so. Well, uh, that wraps up all the songs we want to talk about from this movie. This went on a bit a lot longer than we were expecting. But we hope you liked this episode just as much as you liked that movie. Yeah. I know I hopefully, did. Hopefully we spoiled pretty much everything we possibly could for you. Mm, there's yeah. a lot of stuff. Peter, let's give a synopsis of the entire movie right now. No. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. If you liked stuff. Guardians of the Galaxy, you'll love subscribing to our podcast. Um, I guess, I think it's still broken on iTunes, even now. I'll have to check oh, it again, great. but I'm pretty sure it's Freaking not on there anymore. Steve Jobs. Well, he's also dead. Hey, it's a tie-in. <laughs> to what? <laughs> to Robin Williams being dead. <laughs> Two people that are dead tie-in. Hey, that's Let's better than what we can come up with most of the time. Let's tie them together and create a perpetual motion machine. God. Um, well, you can find our podcast at our lovely host, 8cn.tv. Um, they have possibly like a dozen other podcast as well. I, even know, I don't know how many they have right now, but... One's far better than ours. Um, yeah, they have a lot of really cool podcasts. Generally, they're about uh, movies or video games or uh, TV, stuff like that, or even just stuff in general. Uh, but I think we are still the only music-related podcast um, on HDN, yeah. so we're pretty cool. Wait, really? I think so, yeah. I That's don't think there's sad. any other... Well, we are proud to give you well, the phone. There's recurring like articles that people write about music and albums, mm-hmm. but we're the only podcast about music. Well, there you go. So, um, again, that's hcn.tv. Uh, terrific uh, kind of original content, uh, news, and uh, you know what's happening in the uh, with technology and movies and video games, all all that kind of pop culture stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a one stop shop for that. So pretty cool and uh videos as well and obviously our podcast which is a reason in itself to go exactly um and um, we will be sorry we will be posting um an article with a youtube playlist of all the songs that we discussed on this episode today because if you listen to it without that you don't really get a great sense of what songs we're talking about at any given time mm-hmm. um but hopefully with that Unless you're listening to this 50 years from now, uh, you will be able to uh, listen to, this, to the songs as well on YouTube. And uh, yeah, maybe you'll be like Kyle and buy some of them on vinyl. Yeah, I actually snagged a good three or four of these on vinyl uh, after seeing this movie because they were so catchy. And I'm like, I have to have these in their original form. Yeah, so we support you to support your favorite artists, including these people, by giving money to well you can if you really like it honestly you can just buy the soundtrack on cd it's on amazon for like 10 bucks or mp3 or mp3 i don't think people buy cds anymore 
Everyone but they, but they do buy vinyl. That's true. Interesting enough. No one buys tapes. See, they should put this on a cassette tape, the, the soundtrack. I was kind of thinking that. I was like, why isn't this on Because I feel like that would cassette. not be very expensive to produce. Right? You know, just do a limited number of them, have it be on a cassette tape. It's just kind of a novelty thing. Tie in right? to the movie. Like That would be really cool. I agree. Well, anyway. Well, we should um, wrap up this yes. episode because it's been way too long. But it's also been way too long since you've heard us, so we're kind of making up for that. Yeah, you have to hear us as much as possible now. We have to cram, like, a month and a half worth of stuff into this episode, so. <laughs> um, Man, this well, has been we, your host. Go ahead. Well, well, I was, yeah, you go ahead because I was going to end. Oh, well, I was just going to say this is episode 92 or something Yay. of our podcast, so we're hopefully now going to start creeping a little bit quicker, more quickly quickerly now that we're, su- now that we're so, settling into our new roles in society yes um to episode 100 which we still have absolutely no idea what to do so if you do have any ideas for our 100th episode uh like us on facebook at facebook.com slash get your funk uh we post all the episodes there as well as other cool music uh throughout the week as well that we don't talk about in the show necessarily um but you can also talk to us there if you want to give us suggestions for ideas for other episodes or show us cool music or whatever talk to us man we'll, we'll talk to you too and yeah, we'll be best we friends you. we love to talk to people because we're so lonely <laughs> if I had a quarter for every time we said that <laughs> right? We, if I had a quarter for every time we said that we wouldn't be lonely because we would we have could, money we could buy temporary companionship <laughs> well I guess we'll let you go to go find that for yourself Kyle yes. I'm gonna go butter some biscuits Damn straight. Okay, um, this has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. Thanks for listening to Funk Radio. Tune in next time for more of your favorite funk events. Bye. If you want to hear more awesome podcasts like this one, visit hcn.tv. Thanks for listening.